And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, your host for today's episode of Startup Hustle, founder of Marknology, covering all things Amazon, e-commerce. We're going to talk Walmart today. Uh, our guest Ryan King here today with us from Austin. Before we get into it, let's start uh, get, by giving a shout out to our, our sponsor for today's episode, Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. We'll talk a little bit more about them later. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andrew. Great to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, me and Ryan are relatively uh, new connections. We met at actually um, Amazon Prosper, the Prosper Conference in Vegas a few months back, I think a few weeks back. Uh, time's just flying. Um, let's talk about what you do. But before we get into that, let's start just kind of how you got into e-commerce, how you got into, you know, even being a founder. I know your, your startup's relatively new, and I think it's going to be fun to talk about. It's a new space. Um, but like, you know, have you always been an entrepreneur since a kid? Like, you know, let's go back as far as you want. Yeah, man. Well, way back. Um, you know, I don't know if I would have said that years ago. Uh, it, in retrospect, you know, hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, but when I look back, I do think way I'm wired. It was always, even as a kid, it's funny you mentioned being a kid. I can remember random things like driving down the highway and I would see a billboard or something else. And the way my mind worked was immediately thinking, oh, they could have done that better. Mm. Or or I would see something my mind. I, I had more of a problem of turning my mind off when I saw something because instantly my mind would jump to there's a better way to do this probably. And so I don't know if that's just being a critic or yeah. if that's just actually being uh, entrepreneurial. But the, the problem solver, I'd say, is what was uh, compelling to me, always seeing a potential for something uh, that I saw around me. Um, I think the other thing that I, I know I'm drawn to and have been drawn to over the years has always been when I see gaps. When I see um, whether that's, you know, in commerce or if that's actually socially anything else, I'm just I'm compelled and drawn to gaps. And so um, I guess the way I've. The way I've utilized those things in the past, probably 15, 20 years has been more so on the nonprofit side. OK, so uh, let's start there. Let's let's like yeah. where was where where did you get started? Like, did you go? what did you go to school for? Did you go to school? Yeah, I went to uh, Texas A&M. And okay. I uh, initially got into uh, I, I started there in political science. OK. And uh, somehow uh, when I when I got into political science, I got probably somehow at my sophomore year. I remember somehow I got myself into a 400 level course. I don't even know how it happened. Some fluke error of registrar. I didn't know what I was doing. But I remember riding my bike over to the George Bush uh, uh, school uh, library over there and uh, had my poli sci class there. I, one one class I sat through and it was um, American political rhetoric or something like that. Okay. And it was a small class. And at that time, I was terrified to talk. And so it was combining two things that I had no idea what to do with. Uh, so I dropped that class pretty quick and dropped poli sci. So I jumped into uh, long story short, I jumped into um, took a couple victory laps and ended up with uh, a business agricultural business degree. 
Okay. So random, but uh, great classes. You don't come from a family of farmers or like, you know, anything like that? It was it just, you're like, I want to pick, I want a business degree, but I want to be specific. So I'm going to choose something, you know, that I think is more of a niche or like, how did that happen? No, nothing as sly as that. It was the best opportunity to complete what I was doing at the time. I think I was really trying to figure out why am I getting a degree and what am I studying? And so I had spent more time, you know, I was more compelled by, um, engaging in different things socially uh and i don't mean just like socially meaning partying or anything like that more so it was uh engaging locally finding opportunities to serve or do different things and that was kind of more life-giving at the time than real clear focus of what i was going to do ahead what i knew i didn't want to do was uh just i'd grown up in uh so i didn't grow up on a ranch i grew up in plano texas so i'm, okay. I'm a texas boy but I, I didn't ride a horse maybe more than five times in my entire life you know so I, i'm at the anti uh uh, stereotype. But uh, growing up there, I saw a lot of people just doing business just because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And working the nine to five nonstop uh, with really little margin to do anything else. And so I knew I wasn't interested in that. Um, but there were compelling elements of business at the time for me or just learning the skills. I think in college, I was still trying to search for how do I use these skills in a way that's more than just sitting in a cubicle nine to five. Yeah, my so, um, my sister my sister went to school for environmental science. Uh, she has her master's in, in engineering and environmental science, I think, if I'm saying it right. And, um, you know, we grew up in Africa, so always missionary kids, always had a passion for giving back, you know, definitely through our, by proxy through our parents at first. And then, um, you know, it's, it's, it's in you, uh, you know, and it's, you grow with it. And uh, for her, you know, it was just always this passion to get back to Africa, help people with clean water. She was working with uh, immigrants in um, Tampa, Florida, and different things like that. And uh, she now is like my COO here at Marknology. So we work hand in hand. She's helped me build what we have here. And, uh, you know, it, it was conversations between us kind of when we were figuring this stuff out, because like you said, you, did, you knew what you didn't want to do. And that was kind of where we were. We knew what we didn't want to do. Um, more so than we knew what we were going to do. And, and, you know, what I just said to her is like, we got to figure out what um, fills us up, you know, before we can just start giving back to others. You got to really know where we're going in order to yeah. even get focused on something like that. So we've made a promise to each other to get back into that, you know, at, at, a, at a future date. Um, and for now, we're just helping others even locally and helping our own, our own circle, our own tribe right now. Um, but I can really relate to that. Mine almost hit me a little bit even after college, I guess, where I was just like, mm. man, I, I don't, I just don't, I know what I don't like doing. And I kept bouncing jobs. Um, mm-hmm. So you're, you're like volunteering a lot. You're in school. Um, mm-hmm. Pick it up from there. Yeah. So uh, really from there, the way I headed, I ended up going up to Fort Worth and I worked at a, a local church up there primarily with um, students out of TCU. Okay. So it was kind of hit the sweet spot for me of here's here's other other people that are looking for um, figuring out what they're going to be doing in life. And a lot of my passion was around just working with people and helping them find that way. And as much as I was wasn't necessarily blind leading the blind, but 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 helping find clarity and figure out what does it look like? Like you said, that the idea of purpose, what are we doing this for and why are we going and, and engaging? And then uh, pretty quickly in uh, over the years without going backwards again, but over the years, I had had a lot of engagement cross-culturally in my life. You mentioned you guys grew up in, in Africa. Um, I'd had a various opportunities 
throughout time and, and kind of the classical kind of short-term experiences where people go over May for a Mission week. Trips. They're doing projects. Yeah, stuff like that. And and um, other cultures were always really compelling to me. And so I, I mentioned at the beginning, I, I feel drawn to gaps. One of the gaps I was seeing over time was, man, there are a lot of points of connection that just aren't being connected through uh, just under, whether it's understanding or whether it's a resource or whether it's development, whatever it might be. Um, that was really compelling for me. So that's, that's what I jumped into. That's part of why I initially moved to Austin. I came and worked with a, another church here uh, in a space of really kind of international integration, trying to identify where are those places where, um, given what we have as resource in different ways, not just financially, but in competency, skills, other things, um, where can we both learn from other cultures and in other places we're engaged, but where can we also um, walk alongside uh, for development and those kind of things. So uh, that's really what I focused on for the past 15 years. And I've loved it. It was, it did scratch the entrepreneurial itch because it's, I mean, you, you throw everything into the pot at that point because it doesn't, it doesn't stay within one domain. It's right. not just a, you know, a social issue or a personal issue. It's, it's systemic. It's all these things you know well, um, but uh, doing all those, uh, trying to figure out all those things, that was, that was really life-giving for me and very purposeful, but along the it way, almost I realized... Makes, it almost makes, not to cut you off, but it almost makes um, yeah. everything else feel like less than, just because mm -hmm. um, you feel so alive in those moments when you're doing something that's like impacting a life, or right. it's almost like an adrenaline rush for some people, like, you know, like where you're just getting this like crazy high off life, um, you know, giving back and, and like, it's, it's true, you know, like you give to others and it comes back and you start realizing that principle, whether it's ties, whether it's just like value in the business world, whether it's like, you know, you give it, you give it purely, you give it truly, you see the impact they can have on a little kid or something like that, where you just see their eyes light up for the first time getting something like yeah. shoes or something yeah. so small, it changes like everything you do, at least for me back home for a long time was just like, this feels almost like an alternate reality, uh, you know, and just like, why are we, you know, we're, we're upset about like, you kiss my girlfriend or something, you know, and you're just like, what does that matter? Like, you know, like, I don't know, it's just in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's like, we're like 18 years old or 20 years old, or like, um, there's people who don't have shoes, you know? And so like, right. um, I guess what I was just trying to say is like, when you've kind of tasted that, um, helping mm -hmm. others thing that helping others mm -hmm. thing. And you've like really done it. Um, there's not a lot of other things that live up to that. Um, right. at least in right. my opinion, the problem is that I got tired of being poor, <laughs> you know, so it's just, yeah. like, it's catch 22, um, you know, wanting to help people, but also take care of your own self and take care of your own people and things like that. It's this balancing thing. That's just as difficult. Um, yeah. so you're working for a church in Texas, not in Austin, right? right? Uh, it was in Austin. Yeah. Okay. That's what brought you to Austin. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and you were working like with the, I, I'm going to call it missions or was it just more like the cultural, like diversity stuff there in Austin? Yeah, it was with the missions department. Yeah. Okay. Um, missions can be a, a pretty loaded term depending yeah. on who you're talking to, but, uh, yeah, it was, that's the easiest way to categorize it. Okay. And so, uh, focusing on, on, um, building partnerships, engaging in redemptive ways, socially and, and um, personally in different ways. Yeah. Uh, all around the world. So it was, uh, it has when, been and, and very life giving, but when we ahead. did it, there was like the internet just came out. Like, so I moved back in 2001 at the end yeah. of 2001. So just times have changed so much. And even like the last 20 years, you know, so I, Oh yeah. 
still refer to things kind of in old school ways uh, when I'm referring to that, that life. But um, my parents, like specifically, if you had to choose, they, they were French missionaries and they taught English um, with Christian curriculum. So that was kind of the core of what they did, you know, was like set up education there around English, um, you know, because it's the language of the world and giving that to to um, to Africans at that time was the difference in being able to get jobs um, or not, which is the main need there was to be able to be employed. Right. And so knowing English was like extremely valuable. Um, yeah you know, things changed. There wasn't even social media back then, now there's social media and all these other things. And, you know, some bad stigmas even around some of that, but I do believe it was like more pure, um, you know, back in the day, uh, they didn't have to worry about loaded terms, so to speak, or right. things right. like that, you yeah. know? So, yeah, absolutely. So you were there and, you know, we, I obviously know what you're doing now. We're going to get into that, yeah. but like, yeah. how, you know, how did you go from, um, you know, working in that space to, I guess, working mm -hmm. in almost more of a, like a private sector um, of business that's, that's around tech and e-commerce. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the big ones um, was over the years, I saw um, one of the big needs that kept coming up was in engaging around the world. A lot of the, you know, it's a lot of the, the, the similar basic needs, you know, what does it look like to um, whether it's education or basic sustenance or other things, but it's also empowerment in, um, what's it look like vocationally to build something that that's that's sustaining uh, in in a culture of society and doing different things like that. And so that was something that was always compelling for me. Um, and partly out of that vein, but also uh, partly out of personal interest, just saying I, it's time. I think I want to scratch the itch entrepreneurially in in uh, in a vocational sense. So I um, back in uh, goodness, I forget, four years ago, four or five years ago talking with a friend of mine, uh, he said, Hey, we're, uh, we were both talking about Amazon space back then. It was still, wasn't everybody doing it, but it was plenty of people doing it. It started to gain traction. A couple of courses were out and, and whatnot. So we, we decided let's, let's give this a, a look. And so he, he and I partnered together. He acquired a couple, uh, businesses pretty much out of the gate, a couple seven figure businesses. And then I just, uh, bootstrapped mine on the side while I was still doing full time and, uh, otherwise and loved it. So, Loved engaging private label on the Amazon side, learning the ins and outs of the business there and got involved in masterminds, everything. And I just soaked it up for probably four years doing it. Uh, you know, it's a, it was a modest brand still is alive today, but it's a, you know, a six figure modest brand, but it was, it was doing well for being bootstrapped. But and it, you're learning. Oh, tons, tons. Um, and I, I went through the gauntlet. I ran the gauntlet, had, you know, everything from trademark issues, every I mean, competitors pulling different things just to all that stuff. And so, uh, but I loved it. It was, it, it didn't, none of that really got me fully down. It was, man, got, got blindsided. Problem by this, solving, but you right? know what? Yeah. That was yeah, fun. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's figure it out. And so loved doing that. And, uh, as I did that, I realized there's maybe an intersection here between both continuing to do this more and maybe the freedoms it gives for family and those things as I explore that ourselves, but also, I saw e-commerce emerging. There was a trend of e-commerce going kind of globalized. I realized I was already working in private label with people around the world um, servicing that. And so I saw it as a platform of this is a great way to engage and maybe maybe there's things to learn here that can help empower people around the world that are already doing this. Are there models that could scale that could uh, be another way of, of mutual cooperation or development around the world and, and what we're doing? And so that was also really compelling to me. Yeah, I um I'm actually plugged into a couple 
organizations and maybe I should plug you into to them as well um, in India in different places where we've um, I guess helped train their staff essentially to understand to do what we do um, you know they can do it at a cheaper rate than we do but it's employing people who have never had careers before um, yeah. and so working with missionaries out there that similar to my dad giving them English skills to be able to find work um we're not we're not shoving religion down anyone's mouths you know it's just simply doing the work that we should do as people um and so yeah there's a team in india um i'll have to connect you with after this but it's very similar in a, in a very similar way they kind of became like a, a marknology 2.0 um out there giving out some not necessarily like vas but um like around writing and seo and you know they speak they speak great english out there so um had them doing a lot of our yeah. research and things like that awesome well yeah the connection that'd be great so um mm. yeah so we we did that we we uh jumped in and the walmart opportunity we can jump to that whenever you like but as we explored it and i was doing that over the past four or five years um the opportunity we saw was kind of walmart's kind of this blue ocean especially after covid accelerated everything we saw this is this is probably the time to move Mm -hmm. And there's something here. So uh, that kind of was the last bridge into where we are today. Okay. So when did you get officially like launched and like offer this as a service? Uh, we started testing it out. It's still relatively new, but everything on the Walmart side for the largest, for a large part is relatively new. January was when we launched uh, with our initial um, brands that we approached. And so we approached retail brands as well as e-commerce brands and, um, uh, to test is is this the right time or are we too early in the in the cycle or are we at the the right moment so no i love that and i don't think we've mentioned your company's name blue rise um do you just go blue by blue rise mm -hmm. okay didn't know if there's marketing it, yeah. on the end of there right um and which i love that because you're talking about the blue ocean a second ago as well and just talking about you know i just we just came from prosper i'm here at asgtg uh here in new york i'm actually calling from my hotel room here doing the podcast um, another Amazon conference like Walmart is on, you know, everyone's mind. They bought jet.com, uh, which quickly, you know, they had jet.com had onboarded thousands and thousands of vendors and sellers. Um, I was part of that push to get brands there. I'd talked to jet.com people similar to yourself that were like pushing brands on jet. Uh, and then their catalog just broke. They were going too fast, you know, and it, and it, it malfunctioned. The catalog just couldn't handle it. Um, and so I think jet stopped doing what they were doing for a while walmart then acquired that and really brought up their sophistication like pretty fast i think that's what's mm -hmm. been kind of part of it as well as the pandemic but that's been part of what's like set walmart up as such a big player yeah absolutely they they um those two th a lot of factors you know they're they may in some ways they may move slow but they're pretty intentional and savvy and so it's um interacting with them it's been it's been fascinating to see how much they're really pouring in doubling down tripling down i just read they were investing 14 billion this next year in developing uh for logistics to support marketplace as well as other fulfillment channels those things so they're they're not they're not playing around they're they're working hard to try and capture more market share i think they were they grew in covid they grew from about 3.8 percent of e-commerce sales to about 4.6 or, or higher, 4.8, close to 5%. You know, Amazon's still, you know, 47%, but they slipped to something like 38% over that same amount of time. So they distant second place in some ways, but they're still the largest retailer and they're, they're going to continue heading in that direction.
Well, I still like this might be a little like egotistical, but I'll say it because I like to keep things real in here. But in my <laughs> mind, Amazon has benefited as much as they've done great stuff internally. Amazon has benefited from Amazon sellers and marketing agencies like Marknology and, and all of the above that have come in and optimized their catalog and launched brands mm. and taken that off of Amazon. Like Amazon's not doing that for all these brands. Amazon's not making these brands successful. It's uh, Amazon sellers learning it themselves or brands hiring agencies or manufacturers hiring agencies that are pushing the pace. Um, yep. So, you know, we there are so many limitations in Amazon over the last year because of like, you know, inventory limits or essentials only or different things like that. That's some of the other marketplaces were grabbing that. Um, and so I think that as you know, that's why I told you, I think in Prosper standing there on the conference floor or the event, you know, the event floor, um, you're like, you know, what do you think about? you know, an agency around Walmart. And I was just like, I think it's amazing. I think it's, uh, you know, I know there's going to be, uh, it's going to be uphill. It's going to be, you know, I was too early when I was doing what I was doing and that was kind of difficult at first, but like before the market catches up, but there's a benefit to being ahead of the market as well in some ways. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, as more and more agencies start focusing on Walmart, I think we're going to, it's not going down. So it's going to, I think right. it's going to continue to grab market share and, um, Something Tim Jordan said at the at the Prosper conference when he was talking on all things Walmart was just pointing out the fact that I think they have 10,000 basically fulfillment centers in the U.S. when you consider how many brick and mortar Walmart locations there are in every small town in America that are essentially set up to be fulfillment centers. And, and Walmart's like or Amazon's around like 200, if I think I think if I have that right. So you can do the math pretty easily there uh, and, and understand that if Walmart gets their act together logistically and systematically, uh, you know, digitally, if I can use that, uh, it's going to be crazy what what can actually happen, because it really is a logistics arm of Amazon as powerful as it is that, that slows it down. So um, I, I'm, I'm extremely focused on it, uh, extremely passionate about it and, and been looking for this podcast for a while, just kind of hearing um Let's talk about, you know, Walmart versus Amazon. Like right now when you're launching, let's say you're approaching an Amazon brand and you're mm -hmm. saying, hey, let us launch you on Walmart. Um, they're not on Walmart. Let's say they have a website, you know, and they're just like looking for other channels um, mm -hmm. when they're saying, well, what can I, you know, what can I expect on Walmart? Let's start yeah. with an easy one there. I'll give you an easy one. Well, what can I expect? I'm an Amazon seller. I'm doing a million dollars. I'm coming to Walmart my first year. What should I expect? Uh, I'd say the, the, the broadest level, I'd say, is you know the the general range that brands are seeing if they've been selling on Amazon and not yet on Walmart is you could anywhere from a, a range of maybe the lowest point, maybe four percent of of volume or revenue up to twelve, or that's kind of the the classic range. I say ten is a pretty safe bet. Um, okay. Most products in most categories, but some are seeing beyond that. Some are seeing up to twenty, thirty percent uh, over time if they're investing in it. It's uh, the second thing I'd say is it's it's a still an early adopter stage. So it's not a get rich quick scheme here for people that are just trying to find the next Amazon, Amazon. right now. Uh, it's Amazon of 2014. And it's usually the way uh, and I've heard that echoed from people internal at Walmart or people elsewhere. I heard actually Tim say it, I think, at the at the Prosper show as well. The um, that seems to be kind of the buzzword a bit of it's maybe even earlier or a little bit than 2014. So you're going to maybe deal a little bit more with, with them maturing and getting things together. But if anyone would want to have rewound the clock and gotten in in 2014 and they hadn't, it was worth the pain and, and worth 
worth going through it and slogging it out. So year one, I would say it's a it's a building year. You're 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 probably working on the first three to four months of just optimizing, establishing, getting getting everything in there, and then working on as as it as the platform matures and as we get everything optimized, would be positioning for growth aggressively as much as we can on Walmart. I love it. I um I've been in the Amazon space ten years. Marknology turned seven in August, which would have put us like launching in 2014. So. Nice. That was when I started trying to make a go at, at being a full-time Amazon consultant, freelancer, you know, brand manager was at that time, um, advertising released in 2015, you know? So, uh, if you start understanding like how, what that did for the channel, and I know Walmart already has PPC. I have a couple of brands on Walmart myself, so I am coming from a little bit of experience, but just very little. Um, mm -hmm. I think the last six months has made me even pay more attention to it and be like, okay, let's let's start getting information together. Let's start figuring out how do we get brands launched and what do we do when we get there? Um, yeah. You know, it's a little clunky. Uh, and so if you're used to having, well, I've already been through, it's almost like in my mindset, it's like, man, I already went through those clunky years with Amazon. Not that it's not clunky now, but like those right. real clunky years that now that I got the tools to kind of go back to a platform that doesn't have all of the tools is like, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a long breath, but I do think that, when I can, if I can also remember how successful I, w I was with brands in the early days that weren't doing photography, they weren't doing SEO, they weren't doing the tags. We simply were winning with PPC because there was mm -hmm. so few brands there that, that, that the costs were so low. Um, is that some of what you're seeing in regards to like the advertising side? Yeah, certainly. I mean, you've got your big brands. So where the difference might be is that Walmart is more... Uh, I don't know where I heard this term or if it just popped in my head at some point, but they're, they're more of a retail first platform. I mean, they've, they've been around, so they've, they've yeah. and they've typically dealt with large, you know, PNG or other large brands out there. And so you may find in certain categories on, on um, advertising where those brands are dominating, they're probably spending a lot, but yes, overall uh, most, honestly, most uh, categories, most products at minimum bid, right now of 20 cents um, on an auto campaign, it's not uncommon at all for us to see them getting position one in uh, search set. Now there's not as many, not as many levers to pull for advertising. There's not as many placements you can get, but uh, what you can get, it's, it's not that expensive for most brands. I love it. Um, before we get into my next question, one more time, a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, fullscale.io help you build software teams quickly and affordably check them out. Their blog is full of content. Um, you know, they're the, they're the founders of this podcast. So they put out a lot of great content. Um, some of it's deeper dives into some of these episodes. So please check them out. Ryan back to Walmart. Um, we talked about like what a seller could expect, like sales wise. Um, and I understand what it is to onboard a brand on Amazon from scratch um, in some ways, I think, you know, you're talking to brick and mortars and that's probably more from scratch, but you're talking to Amazon sellers as well. Um, what's the process like from, you know, signing a deal with you to the next three or four months of getting those products optimized? Um, is it, you know, is it, I think a lot of people don't even know what it is to get Amazon help like that. What is it like on Walmart? Um, what are you requiring from those sellers, um, to get listings up and get them going? So, you know, the initial phase is all about optimizing for the algorithms and we, we do blend in there optimizing for conversion as well, but it's, you know, it's, it's your basic blocking and tackling. It's the, we need great images. If we're going to work with you to optimize the content we need is going to be um, 
sharp images because it is a uh, visual uh, platform, just like Amazon and converting there through the image stack. We're going to need um, ideally original copy. So uh, copywriting, working with that. But we need to know the details, um, everything from. So we're getting um, all your standard specs about the product, you know, everything, height, weight, uh, dimensions, all those things. We're getting the images. We're getting copy. Uh, the way that for Amazon sellers, they they often need to see that it's, it's uh, different uh, for a different couple of reasons. Um, it's not just that the algorithm ranks it differently or, or evaluates copy in a different way, but actually the length requirements and different things like that vary from Walmart to Amazon. So people that are just expecting, I'm just going to give you the copy I've got on Amazon uh, and get it started. Uh, it's going to be a longer process to optimize that because we need to optimize it actually for a different platform altogether. Um, Walmart, Walmart prioritizes copy and those things that it will help with ranking SEO on Google. They're, they're okay. very much, um, they, they, they want to rank well on Google. So that's one of the reasons why they're, they're looking at that as a strategy on their listings as well. And so uh, we work with initial phase of, we're gonna get the basic content, the images, the image stack, and we'll advise them on that of what types of images uh, to use. Um, usually, you know, it's this classic product hero on white, uh, maybe front back, depending on category. But then we emphasize, uh, we want to know, ideally, what is the audience that they're trying to reach with her? We want to know it to much as to the extent that they understand it. Who is their ideal client? Because what we're after is talking about features and benefits. Um, and we want to know those features and benefits that are compelling to the audience. It doesn't just inform the keywords and the, the, the description copy that informs the image stack. And what we see is an opportunity for a lot of those, those sellers. We want to see, uh, they should be thinking of the image stack as a storyboard. Yeah. Um, each of those lifestyle photos should not just be wasted kind of image without text, but each of them should be calling out a, a benefit that someone can see that product in their own hand. So we're, we're working in that direction. Uh, and then we're, we're also at the same time as we get that going, we encourage enrollment in Walmart fulfillment services. That's the equivalent to FBA. And so that can be a process. So early on, we we're both getting them into, uh, we use, We've used PackView as our advertising partner. Uh, when we use them, they give us a lot more levers to pull than than uh, Walmart self-serve. Okay. And so we, we get enrolled in an account right away. That's not necessarily a fee-based account right away, but we want to start tracking keywords on the Walmart platform as soon as we can. And then um, we get that all signed up. And then we work on getting enrolled in WFS if they're using their own account that they've set up for the first time. Um, WFS, enrolling doesn't take as long as a business, as a seller. Um, you have to have shown proven sales history and those things. And there's, there's plenty of articles and resources out there on how to do that. But, uh, WFS, so you have to be selling on Walmart and shipping it out yourself, like getting some momentum going, and then you apply for WFS. Uh, you can apply right away. Um, and, but to get your acting, your listings live on Walmart, you have to have some kind of fulfillment connected to it. So you need to be prepared to be connecting a fulfillment. If it's a third party, you know, deliver, um, ship here, all these other ones out there um, you can work with, but we recommend as soon as possible enroll for WFS because the demand really has grown and their fulfillment centers one day, hopefully they will use all their stores. You know, that's within a 15 minute drive of 90 something percent of the yep. population. But, but right now they're utilizing their own equivalent fulfillment network to Amazon. But it's, I think up till now, starting in January, they only had one and it was in Kentucky. Um, and now they think they're up to five, two in Jersey, okay and then one more in Pennsylvania. Um, but they're, they're rolling those out fast, but just the manpower behind the program, they're still training and trying to staff up. 
And so what they're doing is basically twice a month, they've been letting people into WFS in batches. Okay. So you, the advice is get in as early as you can for enrollment. So you have it as an option. Just enrolling doesn't mean you have to use it, okay. but uh, getting that done. So we, we get into WFS enrollment and then we start talking also about advertising as soon as we've got those things optimized. We when we need reviews on listings. Um, ideally, as as uh, optimization goes, the the algorithm is looking for. In a lot of cases, you can you can get the algorithm up to, um, it, and they give you a feedback quality score, so okay. zero to one hundred quality score in your listing. Uh, on reviews, it's weighted fairly heavily, but often just one review at four point five percent or uh, average or higher. It's enough to satisfy in the short run for the algorithm's sake. Uh, but obviously, you got to do more than that to really promote conversion for customers. And so uh, getting reviews in place. Now, fortunately, on Walmart, the relative count of reviews you're competing against is really low mm-hmm. compared to Amazon. So on average, in a lot of categories, they may have higher competition in Amazon. You're talking your competitors might have 100 to 200 reviews if it's a really competitive category. Right. Um, most of the time we see 20 reviews is really the, the number to be on par with everybody else out of the gate. So if you, however you get reviews as a, as Amazon client, we, we encourage optimizing for reviews um, as early as possible as well. And then that's when we start getting more aggressive on manual campaigns with that. I like, I like how you walk the line on that one. However you get reviews on your Amazon side, oh. uh, you know, as someone that was helping sellers in 2014, 2015, um, yeah. I say this probably too many times, but I get, I was so frustrated as someone that was really wanting to solve for Amazon, um, that I was, yeah, you know, I was working with all these private label sellers or entrepreneurs that were not really brands or manufacturers at that time. They were just like, you know, people trying to get a side hustle or people trying to get outside their nine to five and, and, and change their lives in those ways. Um, yeah. but the shortcuts of the review game and the giveaways and like in that time too, we can talk about the glory years of 2014, 15, but really what they mean is you didn't have to care about branding. You didn't have to storyboard your images. You didn't have to write good SEO. You didn't have to add yeah. alt text to your images. You didn't have to create a plus pages, um, because yeah. you could just do giveaways in PPC and essentially you're a business, uh, operating right. at a high level. Um, and for me, I was just like, Psh. Like, you're not really a business. You're not really, like, doing it right in my mind. Like, your images are crap. Your listings are crap. You know, you're con- you have no SEO in here. You've got, it says, bo- contains box of two, or it says, like, you know, the bullet points were, like, junk. Um, and it wasn't until Amazon really cracked down, I think, after a Wall Street Journal article, a New York Times article or something about um, mm-hmm. Amazon being a marketplace full of fraudulent reviews that uh, right. Amazon pulled in a third-party um team of some sort that wasn't Amazon based to come in and just clean up all those categories and get rid of all those things and make it much, much harder to manipulate reviews. Uh, and it became more so like, you know, they, they changed the weighting of reviews. Reviews are important, but they're not everything. Uh, they released early review program. They did a whole bunch of things and I can't help, but think about that as someone that went through that apocalypse in some ways, you know, um, the review apocalypse, uh, of like, you know, is Walmart smarter than that out the gate? Are they going to be able to like, you know, track those things because Amazon's, uh, you know, security, they, they, they advise the NSA and things like that. And they were still happening uh, on their own mm-hmm. platform. So I, I liked where you said that, like walk the line, whatever you're doing on Amazon, that's, that's per terms of service, you know, and you can be super creative to yep. do lots of touches to get those reviews. But um, you know, on Walmart, it'll be fun to see how that plays out. And at least on Amazon, um, some of the most, powerful listings at, at that time were ones that had just been there 
Uh, and so yeah. like, you know, even if Walmart's not, it might be three years before it's a powerhouse or something like that, but simply being on there now, um, you know, the ranking and reviews and things you'll get over the next three years, if I can use that analogy, will just be um, extremely, extremely valuable. Yeah. And that's, that's what we're saying is, you know, there is the short term of, it's great to have extra stream of revenue. You know, people might be looking for that, but just because they want it on top of everything else and diversify, but they're looking maybe to de-risk their business as their brand has been growing on Amazon, or if they're looking to exit with all the cash that's coming in through uh, aggregators and everybody else looking to exit, it, it definitely helps the multiple if you're diversified as, as streams of revenue. So we get that in the short term and that's good, but this is also a longer play. And there's, um, if you can establish now, establish a foothold before it gets hyper competitive and continue to build that mode out over time, um, that's really, I think the, those are the, the clients we see that, that understand the most and seeing the long-term play here of saying, uh, this may not be my top earner for a long time and that's okay. We're, we're going to establish our presence. And, uh, if it, if it makes 10%, great. And, uh, but we see the long-term value of it gaining market share over time. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, there's going to be people that are trying all the different hacks, all the different ways of doing it. And there's, there's ways, I think there's there's completely white hat ways to be doing things with reviews as well. Um, there's one group we've, we've worked with that uh, has uh, combined secret shoppers with, with review generation and, and they work directly with Walmart a group called field agent. And we've loved them. We, we recently worked with them and, and okay. uh, they developed a product that actually leverages secret shoppers to I love that. Um, buy and, and give, and it's a crowdsourced app. And so you can now go on their website as a, as a templated ask and walk people through the process of purchasing that product and leaving a uh, verified review. Um, so that's, those kind of things are great ways to do it where they don't have to do a lot of um, behind the curtain stuff, a lot of black hat stuff to try and get reviews. And the demand is not so high for reviews on there that, that people have to resort to those kind of tactics. I'd say yeah. Walmart to answer your question is smart and they will now it's a matter of probably a timing and capacity, but they will catch up. And they'll probably retroactively penalize. I wouldn't be surprised for those that are trying to do things um, under the radar, so to speak. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of ways, whether it, other ways for ranking. It doesn't take as much to rank, uh, again, through legitimate ways of emphasizing ad to carts or conversions, all those things. And you can see a lot of um, bang for your buck compared to Amazon. Now, how much volume? That That's what everybody's still testing. That's relative and, to and product the category. And it depends on how good you are. Let's be honest. It depends on how good your product is. It depends on how good your team is. It depends on how good your partners are. Do you have like, you know, a lot of sellers might be out there. They're not going to, they're not doing the work like I'm doing at ASGTG trying to, you know, talk to a hundred people to find maybe three great partners uh, that do a variety of things to make my agency grow, you know, or to come back and, and offer this to my brands as, as a value add. And, and that research that goes into creating those relationships and uh, like this relationship here, uh, just being, you know, just being honest and using as an example of like, okay, I got sellers that want to be on Walmart and that's not our specialty. Um, you know, as someone that believes that we're one of the best when it comes to Amazon, uh, I'm more comfortable being like, that's not our arena. That's not what we know. Like, I don't, I don't, we sell on Chewy.com. Um, right now, Chewy.com is like, you know, it's a plug and play, get your listings up. And it's more like the one P relationship of Amazon in the past. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so there's all these different channels, but I would, you know, for a lot of businesses, 
um, you know, picking one channel, investing three months, let's say, and getting set up and growing by potentially 10% is a huge win. Uh, I know in e-commerce, right. we can be used to these big, big numbers, but once you've got to a million or a million point five, it can be, it can be quite the hurdle to really take it to the next level. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm excited that some of these other channels are worth our time. Uh, if I can be honest, like for the longest time, um, the only thing I was passionate about uh, for expansion was getting into some of the international Amazon uh, markets. So Amazon Canada, Amazon Brazil, Amazon Australia, like where else can we go? Because eBay or Etsy or some of the other players just weren't good fits for for the brands or products we were working with. And so some of these other ones, Walmart is one that's not like category agnostic, um, like a Chewy or Petco or some of those, you know? So what do I do with all the other brands? Where do we go? Is it Wayfair? Is it Home Depot? Is it Lowe's? Is it... Um, and so Walmart being just, you know, very similar and competitive to Amazon in that way of just having a, a breadth of categories, people are very familiar with the brand. Um, so it's a great opportunity for a lot of my brands. Um, and seeing it as such and just being like, man, what can we what can we make of this? And okay, so I have one question I want to get I'm basically using this as a just a learning, learning session for myself, I hope some other people are getting some value here. But um, you talked about Walmart fulfillment services and we talked, so right. we talked about CPC being low, like low bids and mm -hmm. being able to get traffic and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. On the Walmart fulfillment services and the fees side, how does that match up with Amazon as regarding expectations? And, you know, is it pretty even? Is it, is it higher? Is it lower? What are we looking at there? You're looking at, they basically modeled the pricing really similar. And so you're looking at from commissions on sales on Walmart, you know, one of the main differences, you're not paying a uh, monthly fee, as okay. a seller on Walmart, you're just paying a flat commission per sale. And, you know, it varies by category, but it's around 15%, which is similar to Amazon's uh, commission just for selling on the platform. For fulfillment services, you're going to be looking at a similar pricing model for shipping. Um, okay. You know, you're less than a pound. I think it's like 480, uh, something like that. The, the key difference that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about is there is currently not a small and light program okay. for Walmart fulfillment. So if you're in the small and light category, it might be more difficult to utilize it because you're going to not get those benefits. But for the majority of uh, pricing tiers, it's going to be comparable. Well, if you're small and light, just kit it up, create some variety packs, create some two or three packs. Um, yep. You know, something I didn't say earlier is like uh, Marknology launch fulfillment. I'd be like uh, doing myself a disservice if I didn't say that. And we're fulfilling for Walmart. So if you're a smaller brand and trying to like get in before you're into Walmart fulfillment services, um, you know, feel free to hit us up. We're not the biggest operation, but we're based out of the Midwest. Um, so we're based in Kansas City, which is a great spot to be centrally as far as shipping rates. Um, and we're Amazon, we're an Amazon team. There's 24 of us in KC that are just very focused on Amazon and e-commerce. So easy to plug into those. Um, I'm building my own brands as well. So I wanted to be able to, you know, fulfill for those and be able to try new things and innovate and try those kits and the variety packs is what made me think of it. Um, yeah. Because there's a lot of products that um, you can make profitable uh, in the logistics area of it, in the fulfillment area of it, um, versus like needing to do anything crazy on, on actually the marketplace side. It's just getting your box size right, or it's getting the right uh, combination of products to get it to a price point that makes sense. So took a little minute there, but I wanted to just jump in with like some of the options you can do if you're a smaller product like that. You should be thinking of that anyway, um, even if you're in the small and light program, because that comes and goes. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we talked fees, we talked Walmart fulfillment services, we talked PPC, um, 
you know, what are some of the challenges that you've ran into so far uh, with, with launching a few brands? Have you been, fa- have you failed with any brands you've launched in regards to getting them going at all? Uh, I, I, I'd say uh, depending on the metric a failure, depending on speed of hitting goals, okay. I think the, the biggest challenge is sometimes there are things that just are still uncontrollables. So uh, whether or not, whether or not um, an element gets turned on on the Walmart side in the, in the time cycle we'd like to have. So we're, are we hitting the goal or not? Uh, our goal is we've been trying to hit all the controllables we can as much as we can. And when we deal with, uh, you know, quality scores, not reflecting the changes we've made because something's uh, crazy on the system, you know, Walmart's going right through a, this is, this is one of those headaches that's it's hard to deal with is Walmart has been combining their com with their grocery side on their website. Okay. They called it project glass is what they've called it. And it's, uh, big rollout. They started January, uh, July 31st was when they had advertised the rollout. So it was, so to speak, they've slowly been rolling it out since that point, but, um, that's creating some kind of back end hiccups Catalog issues. already enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, that kind of stuff. So I'd say on that side, that's been one of the things we've been struggling with. And then, um, uh, learning the, the biggest one that we had, we had been much more hopeful for, from the outset and we uh, maybe have been guilty of over promising under delivering before we realized just the, the challenge it was, was the unpublishing of, of duplicate listings that had been created by those who were just creating u- different UPCs to get the same product up on a different listing. Uh, right now we know Walmart sees it as an issue, but there has been no, there's, there's just Action. no clear way to do it. Uh, we've, and so that's the one we keep beating our head up against the wall and we will eventually win. But that's so it's one hard, we, we had to come back and in the brand yeah. protection area. I would, yeah, I would so consider got, kind of brand protection. Like if someone is yeah. uh yeah, a competitor or whatever is just like launching multiple products, they shouldn't be able to do it. Um right. you know, on our side, we consider that whether it's brand registry or trademarking or infringement, mm-hmm. um, you're reporting those. And you know, Amazon's pretty good about taking them down if you have the proof. Yeah. Yeah. And so they have a brand portal, um, okay. but utilizing it and figuring out how to effectively utilize it consistently. The, the scalable issue is more the, we've had some one-offs, but the, the, that's a that's a one that I think everybody's trying to figure out right now. And I think we'll see progress there. Um, the uh, the other one is, is sometimes for some products, you may optimize, you may get it in position one in the category and it may be looking great, but the conversions still just aren't there. And so Sometimes it's just the testing of the audience and the unique nature of the audience on Walmart versus Amazon. They're not a carbon copy. And so um, that could be a failure of sorts of, you know, the hope is 10% on every product if we can get there. Uh, But some of these products just aren't moving. We've been surprised by some products that actually start moving on Walmart for someone's catalog. We, we may not have been servicing all the SKUs in their catalog, but we uploaded them all. And one of them was kind of a sleeper and it started, got quarter of the sales uh, over the last three months as their top one. And, and so I think that's one of the lessons for us is we can't make any assumptions. There's, there's good, there's good tells. We'll keep moving in those directions of what we think proves out on Amazon, these other, these other platforms, but it's a, it's a, just enough of a different marketplace, a different audience to not make any assumption and put it there and test. And so data, testing data, is data. key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. I mean, there's still the whole arena of off Amazon and driving traffic to Walmart and how does that affect things? And, you know, can you boost it as well as like, you know, I know there's a big difference in customer demographics, maybe not online, but no assumptions, but in uh, definitely can tell you the difference between Target and Walmart customers. Uh, You know, Walmart has built a brand for 
years and years and years about always save being the lowest price. They used to price match. Like, you know, you go into Walmart to get the cheapest stuff all in one spot. Um, you know, and people used to think the same of Amazon, but that's not the case. Like Amazon has stuff all the way up to Ford trucks. I think, uh, you know, they started like, you can look up Ford trucks on Amazon. So I'm like, what are they bringing? I don't know. Um, but you know, there's a difference there. So that's something we don't know. There's a lot of, uh, you know, variables. And I think one thing you really said that, uh, matters definitely on the Amazon side. If someone's saying, well, why did you win with this brand? Why did you not win with this brand? It usually comes down to uh, the people that hired us didn't trust us enough to let us do what we felt we needed to do or try or test because yeah. it's a problem-solving platform. Uh, or um, they bailed or um, you know changed directions before we had enough time to work through some of those things because you have to be patient um the brands or projects that we've worked on where time wasn't an issue or there wasn't expectations of being done this month uh, and we went two or three months longer or it took a little bit longer to get success we still always found success uh it just wasn't necessarily in the same timeline so if you have just like a long game mindset um of just like this is a channel we're going on no matter what we're going to make it work we're going to just take time we're going to be there we're going to ride it out three years four years five years whatever that looks like for you um then i think that these platforms can be way more successful it just takes time to figure them out and there isn't always someone ahead of us that's done it uh you know so we're you know sure we're getting higher we're giving the best chance of success as i'm even speaking for myself um it doesn't mean that we've seen every scenario and every situation it's just impossible um so patience being or expectations around timelines being a really huge thing i think too yeah absolutely and so that's that's a good point that's that's been one of the things i think we we came out with there's a lot of obviously we're in the space just like you're in your uh, with amazon as well as we have a lot of enthusiasm because we have a lot of um, we see a lot of promise, a lot of opportunity. And so that's maybe one of the areas that I've had to learn to temper a little bit more after the first three months was, OK, how do I set expectations for that longer play in some ways? Um, and, and just as, a, as an owner and founder, there's a, also a sense of you're, you're trying to figure out where your limit and your ceiling is at the moment while you're trying to deliver value, because that's that's really what we're after. That's what you're after is. is we want to, like you said, we'll, we'll take pride in saying we're the best. We want to be the best. We want to deliver the, the most value. Um, and and we have to test ourselves against the marketplace and the platform to really see. And as we're pushing that limit, identifying where we can and then backing off and saying, okay, this is how to appropriately set the expectation of what we can accomplish in the first three months um, versus what we want to accomplish in six months or a year. Um, uh, I think that refined us a bit, even in the first, you know, January through March, Q1, we realized, okay, we, we maybe, I, as much as I want to try and undersell over deliver, we, we may have still oversold a little bit. And uh, fortunately, you know, each of our brands, our clients we walked with have been understanding because they understand it's, it's early adopter phase in a marketplace and we're all learning. But so um, I think in any of those mistakes, it, it's worth making them. Because mm -hmm. that's what it's going to take to, to prove out a new platform and, and prove out a new space. So um, we're going to break some eggs along the way. We know it. And, uh, but we want to make up for it. We want to, we want to return with the omelet afterwards and, uh, and tell them it was worth it. So No, I love it. And you guys are so early in regards to like, as someone in the space 10 years, I'll tell a brand just getting started. And I, I don't just say that over and over and over to say, I'm just like, I've seen so much change. I, I am patient now, right? Because I've been here. I've seen some stuff work and a lot of stuff not work and uh, try to dial it in on what worked. And, um, you know, a big thing for brands is going through that first Christmas, 
right? So going through that first Christmas on a platform, getting all that data, all that sales rank, all that learning, all that experience, all that traffic. Um, and year after year that you're on the platform, if that brand sticks around, you see growth continually after each big Q4. Um, or maybe they're a barbecue brand and it's July, you know, but usually for the most part, let's be honest, almost every single product is it does well in Q4. Um, so, you know, we don't have those learnings yet that we're talking about here, you know, and um, right. just the, the opportunities to test all the things you don't know, I think is really exciting. And, and what I always loved about the Amazon platform, and I can see some of the similarities in Walmart, is that when I looked at all the other platforms, um, there wasn't a lot of proactive things I could do to test or learn more. You know, with eBay, let's say, for example, I could turn on marketing or turn off marketing. I could turn on a, a coupon code or turn off a coupon code. I could maybe try to do some black hat and put some like keywords in my item specifics, but that's not really where they went. That wasn't really, you know, so it was like optimizing a title. It was creating duplicate listings because we wanted paid page coverage and the rules didn't say you couldn't do that. So you did that. And, you know, it was it was these kinds of things, but those are like... <laughs> I don't know. Those aren't very exciting, proactive things to do. And Amazon's complete opposite from off Amazon traffic to PPC to changing your keywords, to changing out your photos, to AB testing to, um, you know, trying to create the sale. Oh, they got lightning deals. Oh, they got best day deals that, you know, they're constantly trying to test and innovate. And um, I can see that coming with Walmart. And, um, yeah. you know, for me, that's just an exciting thing. And I think seeing another platform is going to have the ability to utilize some of those tools. is going to be awesome. I could talk to you Absolutely. about this all day. Um, Ryan, this has been extremely informative and thank you for sharing all of your knowledge so far. Um, where can people reach you? Uh, where can people get you? I know we got bluerise.com, rise with a Y. Um, mm -hmm. LinkedIn, what's your preferred method of contact? Uh, really, either's great. We have a connect page on bluerise.com. Uh, they can they can reach out to us there. They can email at connect at bluerise.com if they want to email us. And there's a uh, LinkedIn is great as well. I'm responsive there if I get messages. And if anyone's wanting to reach out, one of the things we'll, we offer is, is if you reach out to Connect or any other channels, uh, we can do a, uh, we'll ask you a few questions and we can even do a, a quick uh, recorded maybe 10 minute review of your brand to see if it's a fit for Walmart. And if you're already on Walmart, what, way, what ways we could maybe just make some suggestions how you can improve. Uh, we're happy to do that. And then if you want to talk further about other services, we'd be more than happy to help. I'm going to give you, I'm going to keep you busy. I'm just going to hit connect at rise.com and I'm going to send you all 50 and say, Hey, I want 10 minutes <laughs> on each. Tell me what you think. Um, no, I'm excited. You may that cap that a little bit, but I'm we're, just, we're happy to help. I'm just teasing, uh, you know, but I will, I will be reaching out. You know, we, it's something that we're definitely trying to learn and make great partnerships with. And I have some brands, you know, at least I'm, I'm blessed to have in my portfolio brands, a few that are always willing to kind of champion that exploratory mission uh into new areas and you know are patient and they're the ones i wanted to work with because they're patient and they know we're learning and they're like just learn with me um right. you know so so those are some of the ones we're always pioneering with and you got to get some of those in your back pocket uh you know if they're not your own brands so definitely Absolutely. be reaching out and you guys heard where to connect with him this has been super exciting and i can't wait to uh continue to to watch blue rise and just watch walmart in general I am in Austin. We were talking about this before the show. I'm in Austin for ACL. So we're going to have to, maybe if we can find some time to get a coffee um, or lunch or something, that'd be great. And we can just kind of chat how things are going. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me on, Andrew. And uh, look forward to talking again in the future, man. Of course. Uh, Hustlers, thanks again for tuning in. And shout out to our sponsor, Fullscale.io, making these things happen. Uh, they're making you 
make it easier to get software developers. If you guys need anything for development, anything for, for tech development, uh, fullscale.io is a place to go. Great spot to start to get your first developer. Just get information around what it looks like to, to build out a software or supplement your, your current software team. Um, love their support. We wouldn't be here without them. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.